You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception, Reception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception, Perception, the show. Matt, a big week three just about in the books here, man. And this, <laughs> this was one crazy-ass topsy-turvy week, dude. I think you had the tweet of the day that um, that really encapsulated it, your, uh, your post about Week three in PPR, a wide uh, a lineup of Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Darren Waller, DJ Moore combined for twenty nine point nine points. Meanwhile, Mac Hollins twenty nine point nine six points. That, yeah, he that got is, that. He he got that four yards passing. That that's what pushed him over. <laughs> un- unbelievable. Yeah, week three definitely felt like the week that reminded you, like that was football reminding us, like. Hey, you don't actually know as much as you think. There's going to be a lot of <laughs> twists and turns here. You know, so you get some right, you get some yeah. wrong. And, you know, obviously you one thing to remember, too, is there are certain guys that, you know, aren't producing the way you thought now that when you look back at, like, the end of season numbers, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy had about the season we probably expected from an ADP right. standpoint. And you'll never remember, like, how rough it – or you'll only remember how rough it was to start. It, you'll it, it, <laughs> oh, That's always how it goes, right? Like, yeah, very weird week. Um, you know, some guys will get back on track. Some teams are are looking like nightmares at this point. But, uh, man, that's just how the NFL works. Um, and especially at the wide receiver position. I'm just going to get this. I was just like, no, no, I'm not going to rant about it. I, I, yeah. I ranted about it recently in a couple other spots, too. But, like, here's the deal, man, with the wide receiver position, because we focus on wide receivers on this show so much. It's, it's worth talking about. Like, you got to have the you got to have the stomach. You got to have the fortitude to ride the wave with these guys, because, Guess what? You can't draft Cooper Cup to start at every single one of your wide receiver spots. Like there are no <laughs> almost no wide receivers that are just good from 1 to 18 yeah, like throughout the right. entire course of the season. Like you know, I was talking about some guys, talking about it in the Discord with you guys yesterday like man and they're you know, it's Allen Robinson, you know, he's got a really rough form. Like everybody has a really rough floor, bro. Like yeah. um everyone has a two catch floor, you know. Justin right. Jefferson, we're going to talk about three for 14 last week. So, oh um, you know, yes. and especially if you if you didn't draft a guy in the first like three rounds, hey, you better be ready for them to have like, you know, Juju has that game against the Charger or against Chargers in week two. And everybody's like, oh, God, do I drop Juju? It's like then he comes out as 80 plus yards the next week. So you've got to be able to ride the wave with these guys. And, and you just hope that you hope that your entire wide receiver core doesn't have like an off week. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a receiver core like that. Um, you know, then that, that sucks, right? Like in one week, yeah. that's going to suck. Uh, you just have to hope at times, right? 
because most of these guys are going to be volatile week to week. Like that's just the position, man. It is what it is. It's such an emotional game too. You talk about Allen Robinson, the optics, the visuals of him, of the drop at the end zone. It kills you that like lives with you for the rest of the game, man. So no, it's, um, it's so interesting, uh, because it's such a highly emotional game and, and, and really, a lot of what this podcast does too, a lot of what your work does is like we try to strip away some of the emotion out of it, right? So yeah. today's show, it's going to be talking about guys that 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 either hugely disappointed or maybe popped off and now we got to strip away the emotion and say, okay, well, what's it look like moving forward? Okay, so we'll start with Justin Jefferson. Had an absolutely bazonkers week one match. Just went crazy. Nine catches, 184, two touchdowns against Green Bay. Jair Alexander, you're thinking, okay, we're off and running, man. Like, we are going to the damn moon with Justin Jefferson. But my guy, Matt Harm, is talking about 2K. 2,000 yards. He's a little bit off that pace now. He's a little bit off that pace. Uh, Like, my dude's talking about 2K. Uh, Uh, No. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Week two. Uh, fell off the pace, but we're thinking, okay, well, hey, listen, he still, you know, got six catches for 48. That wasn't not ideal, but that happens. And the volume was still there too, right? He got 12 targets in week number two. Okay, dude, what the hell happened in week three, bro? Like three catches for 14 yards, a 50% catch rate over the last two weeks. And again, last week, by the way, you want to give him a pass on Darius Slay, James Bradbury, that combo limit. Okay, fine. I get it. Prime time, Kirk. Fine. Yeah. Week three against Detroit, dude. What? What is happening, Matt Harmon, with Justin Jefferson? So there's a couple different directions here uh, that we can go with. Um, I do think that the Lions had a concentrated plan to like, we're not going to let this guy beat us. Right. And the Detroit Lions are generally a very beatable defense. So, you know, shout out to them. Um, they use Jeff Okuda, who, by the way, mm-hmm. he was like he was like a third, the third. Was he the third overall pick a few years ago? He's certainly a top five pick at cornerback has had a really, really rough run of injuries lately. They pretty much just had Jeff Okuda and a safety over him covering Justin Jefferson and just pressing him right at the line, pressing him right at the line, physical press coverage for Jeff Okuda. And, you know, Okuda's had a tough start to his career with all these injuries, but he was a really yeah. promising, like, press press man corner coming out in the draft. And he's actually played really well through the first three weeks. Like, so shout out to him for getting back. Um, and that just kind of meant that the, the Vikings were going to go to other guys, right? And this is something I've been saying the last few weeks, that the, the Vikings do kind of need to have other players emerge, like, you know, Adam Thielen does his Adam Thielen stuff. I thought it was interesting during that game, you know, watching some of it live that they were scheming things up for Thielen too. Like they were getting him some screens, some like really just layup routes in the flat, stuff like that. Um, KJ Osborne getting some work too. So part of it is just like teams are, they're not going to do what Green Bay did in week one, right? Where, you know, Jair Alexander said after the game, like I wanted to shadow Justin Jefferson and, you know, they just said no. And they just let him kind of get covered by a bunch of <laughs> right. linebackers and safeties. So, that was what I th- I think we thought that that was what it was going to look like a lot more often for Justin Jefferson than it has so far. The last two weeks, you know, Darius Slay really wants to go after um, Justin Jefferson. They do. Kirk doesn't really doesn't really take advantage of the other matchups there. The other guys don't really step up. Then in week three, they the Lions have a plan to cover Justin Jefferson. They go after him with Jeff Okuda and a safety over the top, and and they really make it hard for Justin Jefferson to be the guy that you know, wins on a route by route basis, even though, you know, he's probably going to win some of those matchups, he's probably going to lose some of those matchups. Meanwhile, other guys step up. But I think the bigger thing here for Justin Jefferson is like, 
all the talk about him being in the Cooper Cup role. Yeah, that was that was BS. That has not come <laughs> to pass so far. And you know, Jefferson even said, I think it was on. Was BS. Um, I think it was on the Ringers podcast. Like, oh, uh-huh. I'm gonna be in the Cooper, like Cooper, the position Cooper Cup was in last year. I'm gonna be in that. Either either he didn't mean it that way and just was saying like, oh, I'm gonna put up numbers like Cooper Cup. I'm you know that type of thing, or like he was just flat out wrong. Right. The, those are the only two interpretations because so far, Jefferson has not been like a pure slot receiver. He's been like uh, KJ Osborne's been their slot guy, 58.4% of his snaps in the slot, which, you know, that's, that's the Cooper cup role. Right. Um, And I, I've saying this about cup for a few years now, even before he had the big year last year, Cooper cup has the most unique role for any wide receiver in the entire NFL. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody got schemed against zone coverage more, got schemed away from press coverage more over the last five years you know, in reception perception history, really dating back to 2014 than Cooper cup has Amon Ross St. Brown's probably the closest guy we have playing that yeah. type of role right now. And it's just like Justin Jefferson, his role is not even close to that. So I don't want to hear I, any Cooper cup role talk from, from Justin Jefferson, the Vikings. Anymore, <laughs> look, if I, if I can kind of, um, I don't know, maybe try to explain some of those comments too, though. Look, if you, if you look at his usage, we're talking about Justin Jefferson last year, he was, I mean, obviously dominantly an outside wide receiver played 75% of his snaps on the outside. Now they have mixed him around a little bit more to be fair to Minnesota and to be fair to Justin Jefferson, 65% of his snaps now, are on the outside and the rest have been kicked inside. So he is playing a few more snaps lined up as an inside wide receiver. And I'll say this too. You talk about Cooper cups role, scheming him away from uh, press coverage. A lot of that has to do with pre-snap motion. And, mm-hmm. and I do believe that Justin Jefferson is getting a lot more pre-snap motion. I don't want to say a lot more, but, but more than he got in Zimmer's offense, which was none, right? So he's yeah. getting more pre-snap motion um, in, in Kevin O'Connell's offense than he did last year with Zimmer. So now when you, when you kind of like think about it from that perspective of like, okay, he's obviously not talking about transitioning to being a full-time slot receiver, but he's getting more snaps lined up inside. I think that's kind of where he's kind of going, uh, with comments like that. Yeah. That's kind of what, um, what I meant was like, he probably, he probably didn't mean it. Like I'm going to be in the Cooper cup role. It's just like, bozos like us in the media hear that and we're like he's gonna be playing the cooper cup role in the in the same offense that you know with the offensive coordinator from the rams like it's probably taking like a bit of um you know it gets aggregated then to all these other sites and people run with it yeah 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 yeah. you know that's how that's how this stuff works i'm sure that if you actually ask justin jefferson are you gonna line up as much as cooper are you gonna run those exact same routes well no because by the way they're also different players like Justin Jefferson is not going to be in there fitting the run like Cooper Cup is either, you know. So, right. um, and I'm sure if you ask Justin Jefferson, "Hey, do you want to do that stuff?" He'd be like, "No, I don't want to do that." Because most guys that aren't Cooper Cup don't want to do that <laughs> exactly, stuff. So, right? Yeah, right? Like, right, so right. Yeah. that that's why even on the last podcast, I said I'm getting close to moving Diggs into wide receiver two and yeah. Jefferson into like wide receiver three because if he's not going to have all of those like schemed up looks. And I agree with you, like a, a five, 10% move, like that's great uh, from what we saw with Mike Zimmer the last few years. But if it's only going to be a five to 10% move and not like a 20, 30% move to pre-snap motion, playing in the slot, stuff like that, that's just the type of stuff that can, that, that makes your margin for error a little thinner to the point that, 
Well, if you're not going to play a ton in the slot, you you will get physical coverage from a guy like Jeff Okuda on the outside. And, you know, I'm not saying Jeff Okuda is like prime Daryl Revis or anything like that, um, but he, it does make it it does make a difference. It makes a difference. So, um, and and he's still tied to Kirk Cousins, right? Like, right. I, I like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is certainly good enough for Justin Jefferson to have a nuclear season in the right situation. And this can still be a good situation, but not this type of a setup and role and deployment that we thought that Justin Jefferson would have when he was just a print fest every single week, like Cooper cup was a print fest every single week last year. So it's, a, it's just the margin for error is not going to be as great um, as we thought. And then the volatility that we just talked about with wide receivers, that's going to come into play for Justin Jefferson every single week. I want to quote our, our very good friend, Marcus Grant, who I always remember this, you know, it's like, he always had a saying, throw to your good players. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? And I just feel like right now, whether it's scheme or not, doesn't matter. Sometimes these guys just need to get fed the ball. Right. And so for me, I just feel like they went away from that clearly in week number three. I don't care what Jeff, listen, bro. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, your own metrics, you know, success rate versus press success rate versus double team. Justin yeah, Jefferson yeah. has it all. So my, I guess, I guess where the frustration comes in um, and it get and it goes back to Kirk cousins, which I know it's like that it's such yeah, a yeah. old horse to beat on. Right. But like, it's true though. Hey, listen, feature good players. You know, Adam Thielen has to me clearly lost a step. You know, you want to, you want to get KJ Osborne involved a little bit more. I guess, you know, but like, let's find ways to manufacture touches for Dalvin cook out of the back. Obviously he's hurt now, um, you know, week to week or whatever it might be. I don't think he's going to play next week, but whatever, that's for a different podcast. Um, but scheme up ways to get your, your running backs involved in the passing game out of the backfield, scheme up ways to get Justin Jefferson, the ball, just more, 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 you know, I really looked to what Baltimore did with, with Mark Andrews and oh they God, found God. ways to just scheme him up. Like, you don't think Bill Belichick, the mastermind that he is, you don't think he went into week three saying, dude, we have to start stop Mark Andrews. I don't care what we do. But what did Baltimore do? It's like motion, you know, these little pop passes. Like, they're finding ways to get him the ball. That That's what Minnesota's got to do with Justin Jefferson. Find ways to get this guy involved. I agree with you. I think that Kirk Cousins, and this is probably why he – grinds on receivers like he clearly gr like gr got yeah. on Steph Diggs nerves over the course of their Vikings time to the point that he's like I gotta just enough already I gotta like go. I know it, yeah I gotta go it's uh, they run the ball too much here anyways I think that's part of it um and I think that Jefferson ha I mean you could just watch Jeff I obviously chart all these routes for Justin Jefferson you see him getting pissed off at Kirk Cousins all the time even last all year, the so. time <laughs> like he's not I think unless you you're right, unless you scheme it for him, he's not just going to feed it one guy all the time, especially if it's like, like he can Jeff, Jeff Okuda can press him at the line of scrimmage and, you know, get him like he'll, he'll get that separation. He'll, he'll win those routes, but it'll be, you know, a half a second yeah. later than he would have won it in a, in a normal non-press situation. So right. um, he can still get open, but if it's a half second later, Kirk's already moved on to something else. So, I don't know. I just I'm not worried about Justin Jefferson. I'm not like if you have Justin Jefferson on your fantasy team, you'll you'll be fine. Like be he'll fine. he'll you'll be fine. But um, I do think because the role 
is not quite as juicy as we wanted it to be even if i never bought that it was going to be a full cooper cup type of situation <laughs> it's just that the margin for error is a little bit uh, smaller than you would have with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. You know who has had the exact opposite season of Justin Jefferson? That would be Devontae Smith. Because week one, oh my God, week one, Devontae Smith, literally nothing. Nothing. Nada. Nada. Zero. Zero catches for Devontae Smith. And, and all that preseason noise of, okay, Jalen is going to just throw to A.J. Brown repeatedly over and over and over again. It's going to be a run-heavy team like we saw last year. That came to fruition as well. So I thought it made a lot of sense to then say, okay, Devontae Smith is in trouble. He's in trouble because they've been telling us this all offseason. This is what they're going to do. Week one, this is what they did. And then week two. We started getting a little bit more Devontae Smith, right? Then week three, my dude goes absolutely ham sandwich. 12 targets, eight receptions, 169, and a spectacular touchdown as well. Oh, my God. Top scoring wide receiver in week number three, Matt Harmon. What do we expect with Devontae Smith moving forward? Yeah, um, I agree with you that after week one, you had to be a little nervous because, um, you know, the, the thought was – this offense can't really afford to have a funnel target, right? Because they're not mm. going to throw the ball that much, the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, the, you can throw it out the window because now at this point, they're 11th in, in terms of neutral pass rate right now, the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, they, they were the bot, the last, the bottom barrel team in terms of pass oh. attempts last year. Right. They've completely flipped that around this year. Now they're back to doing kind of what they did in the early part of last season. And um, I'll actually bring back up a, a, a conversation I had with, Devonta Smith, the, the, the person, uh, this off season where he said like, we might do, you know, we might come out one month and be this type of team. We might come out one month and be this type of team because it just matters what's working. Like, I think last year, if they had come out in the early part of the season, they were throwing the hell out of the ball and it had worked, then they would have stuck with it. Right. Cause I think that's what the, like the Eagles want to be probably a pass first team based on just look at like the way their front office operates, very analytics focused. They trade mm -hmm. a bunch of picks for a star receiver. They probably want their passing game to be pretty good. Right. But then last year, cause I think Nick Sirianni and this coaching staff is actually pretty good. They just decide, okay, we're going to actually be a run heavy team. Cause we can't pass the ball right now. Cause Jalen hurts is still developing. And like Jalen Rager's taking a bunch of snaps for us. Like we're not very good at, at the wide receiver position. And Devonta Smith is a rookie. 
now in this year, like, why would they not throw the ball? Right. Because Jalen hurts clearly <laughs> taking a step forward. They right. have a top five receiver in AJ Brown and they have a second year receiver in Devonte Smith, who is awesome. Like I would didn't, I didn't draft a lot of Devonte Smith this year because I was worried about their pass heaviness, but Jalen hurts has so outkicked our expectations. Right. AJ Brown has clicked right away. Um, to now the point that like I think the Eagles have a one A and a one B in terms of that's how good Devontae Smith is. Like me not drafting a lot of Smith in fantasy or ranking him low in fantasy was never about Smith's talent because you forget like not only was this guy like a reception perception superstar as a rookie right. and as a college prospect, he won yeah. the Heisman Trophy, James, in an era <laughs> where like offense is berserk at, at in at the college level. He had a all time season. And oh, I'm just and, so happy. And the other and the other thing is wide receivers never, never win, win the, Heisman. the Heisman. Never. It's always quarterbacks and running backs. Great point. Um, I'm just so happy for Devontae Smith, too, because like the way he won against the commanders, too. Remember the BMI tweets, bro? Like, remember when yeah. he was too skinny? I mean, we're talking about like tough ass contested catches. Good the deep God. catch was contested. His t- his touchdown that was, was awesome. contested. Like he's a he's a star receiver. I think Devontae Smith is so good, and I I think at this point, like the Eagles, they're the best offense in the NFC. Like some of these other teams will get better, you know. Like mm-hmm. the Bucks will get guys healthy. Yeah. The Packers might take a few steps forward, you know, as they kind of figure out the post Devontae Adams identity. Some of these teams, like the Rams, will get better as time goes on. Um, but right now, I, I think it's a clear tier of of one with the Eagles being the best uh, <laughs> offense in the entire NFC right now. And they've got a great big three with Hertz, with Brown, with Devonte Smith. And then they've also got other dudes beyond that. So I think it's kind of wheels up for Devonte Smith at this point. I do think that the target share will be relatively inconsistent as we have seen through the first three weeks of the season. But man, if, if he is doing what he is doing right now, which is creating separation, getting open, and then he and Jalen Hurts are starting to, you know, figure some things out. Well, I, I tell you, it, it is very, very interesting. I was so down on myself because I had Devonte Smith in a, in a in a lot of different spots because the price went down so far. Um, but now I feel I, mean, I feel great. I feel like a genius, hey, dude. I feel good now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel I feel <laughs> awesome now. But no, and and again, I remember talking to you last year. I think it was yeah about Devonte Smith. And, and just saying, like, yeah, he's a natural separator, but, man, there are those concerns because someone of his size and speed has literally never done it in the NFL before, and for him to be doing what he is doing is special because of that, too. Geno Smith, is he kind of sort of good? Like, what is going on? Is, is he kind of sort of decent, man? Like, 77.5% completion rate. Obviously, these are all career highs, by the way. He's averaging 240 yards passing. He's got four touchdowns and two interceptions over three games. Um, it's seven yards uh, per pass attempt and about seven air yards per pass attempt as well. It's a relatively conservative mix right there. But he's being super efficient with what he's got. And he's running the system in a way that Russell Wilson never did. The biggest thing with Russ over the last few years is like, like we said with Nathaniel Hackett, they always just become the Russell Wilson offense. Like even if, even if uh, organically the the coaches aren't like bending over backwards to make it the Russell Wilson offense, like it seems like Nathaniel Hackett is, he's just such a hyper specific type of quarterback that you can put Shane Waldron, Waldron in there to run like a Shanahan McVay style offense. He comes from that coaching tree, and you know what yeah. they're going to run. They're going to run the Russell Wilson because <laughs> Russ is just so hyper specific like that. They yeah. become like a 
uh, run, run, deep pass offense because it just is always what it is. Um, so yeah, they're always going to be like Seattle's going to be conservative, but I think what's a tough look for Russ is not just that Geno's playing pretty well. It's a couple of things. One, I think that Seattle, their bet this off season because Russ was clearly there was clearly a rift growing between the two sides, right? Um, and I think the the biggest rift of it was Russ believed he was something that he was not and the Seahawks decided we're going to get out now like we're just going to we're going to trade him now because we're going to get out the right time and they did get out at the right time right like if Russ has this season that he's having in Denver right now or even like a slightly better version of this season in Seattle in 2022 the Seahawks aren't getting the package that they got for him you know a few months ago so they made that bet I think they've won that bet so far oh yeah um and and from a Russ standpoint too it's like you look back at what Seattle's got I think Tyler Lockett catches some of those Jerry Judy passes that he, that he's, you know, he, Tyler Lockett's like the player that everybody thought Jerry Judy was, you know, and, and <laughs> DK Metcalf is the player that people wish Cortland Sutton was. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> that is interesting. But no, I think, like I said, I, I think with how well Geno Smith is playing in this Pete Carroll offense, it's such a bad look for, for Russell Wilson because they are more efficient. They can move the ball a little bit. And listen, nobody is comparing Geno Smith to Russell Wilson. We had written Geno Smith off, and and for good reason, too. By the way, like his first two years as a Jet, dude was the worst yeah. quarterback in the NFL. He was yeah. awful. Um, yeah, man. So, I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting look there um, in Seattle. And I was really obviously concerned with Tyler Lockett. And then now Geno Smith has kind of sort of made that irrelevant. Like he's feeding him really high efficiency targets. Um, and it actually, that connection looks pretty good. It does look really good. And and honestly, like when you look back at last year, you know, um, Tyler Lockett actually had the target share edge to DK Metcalf when, when Geno Smith started DK just made some of the bigger plays, but you know, you brought up our buddy Marcus Grant and I trust me, I, I hope Marcus doesn't listen to this and realize I'm bringing him up so cl- so close to Geno Smith. Geno Smith <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but we'll leave that we'll leave that there. You brought up like Marcus Grant and the just throw to yeah. your good players narrative. Yeah, right, right. now, twenty six percent of the targets in Seattle to Tyler Lockett, twenty five percent to DK Metcalf, thirty eight percent of the air yards to Tyler Lockett, thirty three percent to DK Metcalf. Geno is throwing to his boys, throwing to the good players. They're not getting like. You know, yeah, Will Disley pops in rando touchdowns every now and again. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, Noah, Noah Fant is a third on the team with 10 targets. They're not, but they're not doing what Denver's doing, right? Like messing around with all these goofball players. Like they've mm-hmm. got two guys and they're throwing the ball to the good guys. So like, I don't know that I, it's going to be tough for these guys generally to have good weeks together. They're not going to play the Falcons defense every single week. Right. Are, are the Seattle Seahawks? Correct. But I think that Tyler Lockett was really undervalued in fantasy. And I think DK Metcalf was maybe slightly undervalued coming into this year. Cause, and I, I will admit that I think I was too hard on Gino because I think Gino is like a really good backup quarterback. He's just a really good backup quarterback. He's not a starting quarterback. He right. shouldn't be like your plan to roll into the season with Gino Smith. No, um, absolutely not. It's what happened. And I think he's gonna be fine for these receivers. Uh, look, he's he has outperformed, and he's making a lot of a seat crow because, listen, he had the line of the freaking year. People wrote me off, but I didn't write back. And, bro, 
I hope you hold that energy because, dude, you deserve it, man. Like everyone, everyone shat on Geno Smith and dude is playing pretty good football. Like I'm not saying he's an all pro or something crazy like that. I'm just saying he looks like an like a functional mid tier starting quarterback in the NFL. You know, like it's like, is he the future? Obviously not. Right. But he's a functional quarterback in the NFL. And dude, I tell you what, man, like he's actually, you know, keeping this offense in Seattle afloat. This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. Okay, so that's, we went low, we went high, now we got to go back low. (laughs) What's up with D? It's like, what's up with DJ Moore, man? Like, it's another year. It's another good wide receiver being ruined by Baker. Is it not? I mean, golly, what is happening in Carolina? <laughs> I think I think that DJ Moore is the most frustrating, like, early round pick right now. I, I think okay. in, in all of fantasy, no question about it. Like, if you've got DJ Moore on your team, I – allow you to be upset right where i've said all these other guys like hey you got to ride the wave a little bit whatever it is what it is because carolina just looks so bad right now i mean they can't mount drives (laughs) awful awful dude and um i saw like uh you know if i'll i'll filibuster and and pull it up a little bit because um i saw a good stat about this today but um well the bottom line is you're not allowed to have an MVP caliber player in Christian McCaffrey. You're not allowed to have a Pro Bowl type player in DJ Moore. You're not allowed to have a good, solid second wide receiver in Robbie Anderson and suck this bad. You're not allowed yeah. to do it. You're not allowed. Like, you're not allowed. It's, come on, like look at look at some of the supporting casts uh, uh, around the NFL. You know, you can't look at Carolina and tell me they've got on like from a talent standpoint. A, a a a bad offensive unit. They don't. They have. I mean, if you want to say, oh, they're league average, fine. But they are so far away from being league average offensively, man. Like they're a bad unit. To put a to put a point on that, this is from uh, our mutual friend Graham Barfield tweeted this today. It's always a slippery slope to take away big plays from counting stats, stats, but I do think this is telling. Without the 75-yarder to Robbie Anderson in week one and the 76-yarder to LaVisca Chenault in week three, which, by the way, that was like a route in the flat, completely mm-hmm. wide open, behind behind the line of scrimmage, and LaVisca Chenault like, breaks two tackles and takes yeah, it to the end cool. zone. So. Nothing, nothing from the quarterback really there. You, you shouldn't even be allowed. That should be a rushing play. That shouldn't even be a passing play. Without those two big plays, Baker Mayfield yeah. is 40 of 70 for 408 yards, 5.2 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one interception, oh and nine sacks. I mean, they can't mount a drive to save their lives right now in Carolina. Mayfield has been horrible. I don't think the offense is designed very well. I don't think the offensive line is very good. Um it's t- it's going to c- come together, right? Because they took a rookie left tackle who, you know, maybe was a left tackle, maybe was a guard in Ikea Kwanu, but like we'll mm-hmm. see how or where his career pans out. But I wouldn't say the pa- pass protection has been great. But I mean, Mayfield just doesn't he doesn't look good. And I think that Baker Mayfield's big. I was texting with uh, my buddy Eric Stoner about this today because he he said to me before the year like, we what's the difference between Baker uh, Mayfield and Carson Wentz when it can't comes to like DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, like who's going to benefit from that? Because at least like 
Carson Wentz might be a big dummy, but he takes risks and he, but he actually has a good <laughs> skill set. Baker doesn't uh, play within himself. And I think you can still see that so much when you watch him, dude. He he like freelances, but he has no athleticism. Like <laughs> my friend Eric said to me, like his college story is is cool and all, but like he's a two-time walk-on. And he doesn't play like he's a two-time walk-on. He plays like he's Kyler Murray, but he's not Kyler Murray at all. So I don't know, man. I'm I'm not having a good time. I'm not having a good time with the Carolina Panthers and 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 DJ Moore. I'm I'm I don't know what to tell to, when it comes to fantasy. It's like you just have to hold him and like hope this gets better. And I, I maybe it will get better. Maybe it won't. But like you can't cut him, you can't trade him, and you can't start him. How much of this is Baker Mayfield? How much of I mean there. Is there some trickle down effect to DJ Moore too? Um, look, he has a thirty eight point nine percent catch rate right now. That Zay Jones ish early career. That is Zone. yeah. That is disgusting, bro. Thirty eight percent catch rate, dude. I mean, listen, the guy, my my guy DJ Moore has never really been a super high efficiency player, right? We're talking about a career sixty percent catch rate. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, I did look this up as well. Wide receivers, when lined up outside, league average catch rate is about 60%. DJ Moore currently this season is at 36% catch rate when lined up outside. That's abysmal. But <laughs> career-wise, not including this year, it's at 58%, um, a 58% catch rate, which again is below league average. Um, I just wonder, and, and so, and I, I'm like, when I saw this ad, I'm like, I got to ask my guy, Matt Harmon, how much of this is the quarterback? How much of this is DJ Moore? Well, uh, according to pro football focus, he hadn't dropped a pass all year, DJ Moore. So there is that like, he, it's not as if he's like not catching passes. Right. I think the, the, this is something I've, I, I wish I had focused more on this. Cause you know, I came on the bold prediction show here and said like DJ Moore's going to lead the NFL in receiving yards. Oh my talk God. About a guy, right. <laughs> talk about, talk about oh a guy who's God, not right. on, not but breaking news folks. <laughs> DJ Moore is not on pace to break, uh, to lead the NFL in receiving yards. I forgot about that. Holy shit. I think That's he right. might. <laughs> That's right. Wow. I think he might be outside the top, like 3 billion receivers in terms of yards. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, wow. The one thing I wish I had thought about more when saying that and <clears throat> ranking DJ more this year, you know, cause I just, I wish I had, I wish I'd ranked him lower. Right. I, I wish mm -hmm. I'd been a little less um, bullish about this Baker Mayfield marriage. Um, the, the one thing I, I have had a problem with DJ more the last few years, and it's not with DJ more. It's the way that Car this, this Carolina coaching staff uses him when our got my guy, there are dozens of us, James. Scott Turner, my guy, Scott <laughs> Turner, was the yeah. offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, him and North Turner there uh, towards the end of Ron Rivera's run. They were using DJ Moore as like a flanker receiver. They were getting him touches out in space. This coaching staff is always just like, it's so old school to just take your wide receiver run one and just throw him out at the X receiver position and just go win a route. Like go get it. Just they scheme nothing for DJ. They don't get him any layup targets. They just ask him to beat press man coverage. And DJ Moore is not like the best route runner in the world. He's not like mm -hmm. he's not like a Stefan Diggs or something like that. I don't even I wouldn't even put him in like the top maybe 20 route runners in the NFL because he's always been like a, a good but not great success rate versus man coverage player, good but not great success rate versus press coverage player. So they don't do enough to get him those layups in a skill set that 
like he's awesome after the catch. He's really explosive in the open field. So I don't know, man. I'm 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 pretty down on the way they use him. I'm pretty okay. down on the quarterback. <clears throat> so that feels pretty bad. That that, that doesn't feel good for DJ. <laughs> None of that sounds good at all. Oh my god. We are we are seriously approaching drop territory with DJ Moore. Like that's how that's how bad it's getting. I always find this really interesting too, right? Like these guys are real humans uh, playing a sport, right? And they're not sprites in a video game, right? So for me, like the vibes and the attitudes and those type of things, those things do matter. You know what yeah. I mean? And when there are bad vibes, when there's bad energy in the locker room, and, and obviously when you're looking at Carolina, golly, there's got to be just super negative energy everywhere uh, in those Carolina locker rooms. Um, We're saying that even though they won, they won this one. Isn't that crazy? I, mean, I dude, listen, I know, win, but, but it was won. because their defense only. Like I'm talking like offense, like their defense came to play, boy. Oh my yeah. lord. But I'll just say this: offensively, obviously down in the dumps, right? They got to play better offensively. Everyone knows this. Um, but at some point, and, and we saw this with uh, with Allen Robinson too. At some point, that wears on you as a player. Yeah, you know, yeah. and like, and that that does impact your. I don't know if it impacts your effort. Maybe it does. Some players are different. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's yeah. it's going to have a trickle down effect on your performance on the field as well, man. So I don't know, man. Like I'm. I am down on Carolina, bro. Like I'm not liking what I'm seeing from Baker. I don't, I mean, obviously their offensive line is completely trashed up and they're not doing anything schematically to make life easier for the quarterback yeah, or the I wide receivers. The problem. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think um, that last point's biggest problem. Okay. So Carolina broken offense, Denver's offense also pretty busted, bro. Like what is going on in Denver? And like, has, can, can a coach go from like, New hire to fired, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how many games do we have to, like, look at this before we say, dude, Nathaniel Hackett needs to go? Again, Denver coming off a win. But that should have <laughs> that, that game should have ended in a tie. Like, that should have – they should not that we needed to see, like, overtime of that game, but they, they should have found God, a way to make no, that game. Please, God, no. Jesus yeah, Christ. Should have right. found a way to make that game end in a tie. Um, uh, I don't even know where to start with Denver. Well, I, I will say this, like – Got a lot of stuff wrong. Got some things right this year. Yeah. Uh, well, that's how it come. That's how it works every year, man. But I feel really good about like my analysis on the Broncos being like, I don't know if this is really as good as everybody thinks it is because here's the deal, James Russell Wilson, not as good as he used to be per nope. period. I think end of story at this point, um, this wide receiver group this pass catcher group, this offensive skill position, um, group in general, not as good as people wanted you to believe it was. Um, I don't think Cortland Sutton's a number one receiver. He's probably going to be fine in fantasy because nobody else is good there. Jerry Judy's still a very up and down player and they have nothing like they're still rolling out Kendall Hinton as their like number three receiver, Alberto, <laughs> nothing but his routes drop like every single week. That's not happening. They're still using guys like Eric Salbert and like all the Andrew Beck as, as like tight ends. This offensive line's a little hit or miss. Yeah. Javante Williams is a really good back. Like I think Javante yeah, Williams is. is probably their best player. They use a rotation at the running in the running back room. And, and I, I don't, I don't want to hear a bunch of fantasy folks out there. Like, you know what the biggest problem in Denver is that they rotate their, Oh, please. The fact that they like don't play Javante Williams enough is like 20th on their list of problems. Um, yeah, so yeah, give me a totally. break. I just, I think this is a broken unit and Nathaniel Hackett, like what does he add to the mix other than like Aaron Rodgers liked to talk to him in the, in the meeting rooms. I made football fun again for him. I don't really care what Aaron Rodgers thinks. Aaron Rodgers is not on this roster. 
I, I just offense, I think is completely broken. I, I don't, and I, they might get it together at some point, but just let's look at the results of the last three weeks, James. They lose to Geno Smith. They barely squeak out a win against the Davis Mills led Houston Texans. Right. And then they, they win a game by a point against a team in San Francisco where the quarterback is actively shitting his <laughs> pants the entire game. <laughs> He was so Jimmy G is so bad. What? <laughs> Holy hell, Jimmy G is bad, bro. Uh, that was crazy. No, you're right. Um, it, it's funny that I'm saying all this stuff about Nathaniel Hackett, uh, but they're two and one. But dude, listen, man. Please, like, listen to the fan base. The fan base is they're like one foot out the door yeah. with Nathaniel Hackett. You know what I mean? Because this offense looks like trash they've scored three touchdowns in three games right dude it's so bad um and again i was with you man like i was 100 percent with you this offseason i put a tweet out that said would you be that surprised if this denver team won six games and my mentions became a, a freaking cesspool of like Obviously, you don't watch football. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, stop with the hot takes. This is clickbait, even though there was nothing to click. Like, that's you my know, fa- it, that's my favorite, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Click. Somebody accuses like, you of clickbait, I'm, and it's like it's a there's tweet. Nothing to click. <laughs> You've already clicked it. What do you mean? Like, yeah, you're on this app with me, pal. You know. Yeah. yeah. No, but but and, and it's like and and the points that I was making was and this is what you were saying. Listen, Russell's a little bit older now. Like the backyard football type of freestyle playing that he does is not quite as effective because he's not quite as athletic. Um, And he's learning a brand new offense for the very first time, working with receivers that he's never worked with for the very first time. Um, You talk about a head coaching, uh, a head head coach who's never had uh, been a head coach before. He's got offensive coordinators that have never been an offensive coordinator before. He's got a defensive coordinator who's never been a defensive coordinator before. Right. So there's a complete lack of experience on that coaching staff. And Jesus Christ, did you see that week one or not? You know, the, yeah. the, the, and week two, the clock week two is worse. It's so bad they had to hire a clock management specialist. <laughs> We're in week three. Jesus Christ. So bad. So the inexperience of the coaching staff is showing itself, you know, Dude, total tin ha- tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. I think Denver went and hired Nathaniel Hackett with the idea that they could yeah. get Aaron Rodgers. And again, Russell Wilson, by the way, is not elevating this offense whatsoever. It's real. Everybody, I think, is playing one step above where they should be. Like, I think Cortland Sutton should be That's a really a nice. I think Cortland Sutton should be a really nice two. I mm-hmm. think that Jerry Judy would be a really nice three. And like this, I the thing that I always push back on was this idea that. Denver just needed to drop a quarterback in this situation. And then like all these guys would suddenly everybody would figure out how good all these players are. That's just, <laughs> it's just was flat out wrong. Like that's not so. true um, because Sutton, like Sutton's a lot like Mike Williams and you look at the chargers offense without Keenan Allen as their number one receiver. It looks horrible because because mm. Ke- Mike Williams is a really good number two who can win downfield, who can win contested passes, but that's just low percentage stuff. And with that, when that's your one receiver, like Cortland Sutton come up with big plays, like he came up with, um, you know, on that go route, the back shoulder stuff. That was really, yeah. uh, that was really cool to see. Yeah. That was um, nice. That was awesome. But like, that's not a consistent part of your passing game. Um, like honestly, most of the stuff that looked good for Denver on Sunday night was when 
Russell Wilson kind of let his hair down a little bit and actually scrambled out of the pocket, actually made some improvisational plays in the pocket. I kind of think, talk about tinfoil hat, I, I kind of think that it's not so much that Russell Wilson's physically diminished, which I do think is true. Like everybody, as they get older, is a little less athletic, and that's certainly true with, with mobile quarterbacks. But it's also like I think he wants to be seen as a – you know, passing first, like a, a Peyton Manning. He talks about this Peyton Manning, Drew Brees type of quarterback. And he's just not, he's not that guy as great as no. Russell Wilson has been throughout the course of his career. He's never run an offense like that. No. And if they're trying to run that offense like this in Denver, which by the way, Nathaniel Hackett said before the season, we're going to run Russ's offense. Like Russ kind of basically said, Russ calls the shots here. If that's the way this is going to go. And the quarterbacks un like, not being realistic about where he's at at this point in his career, you're going to get a team that scores three touchdowns in three games. <laughs> um, I will, I will hold out hope that this team gels a bit, but my God, they're For not sure. even into the, they're not even into the meat of their schedule yet. Like that's, what's crazy, man. You know what I mean? Like, Oh boy, this is uh this is an interesting one. Uh, they're in Denver. Uh, I, I do wonder, you know, I was talking to my, my buddy, John Hanson, the guru, uh, about this and he's just like oh they're done they're they're absolutely finished and i was like you know i i just and i'll be i'll be the first person to like be like you know write people off too but like i don't know like the one thing about russ is that he has arm talent you yes. know and he still has that fastball like he still has it that part of his game um i think people don't truly appreciate is like how good his arm is he can still sling that ball man so i'll hold out a little bit of hope uh, that he's got a little something, James, something cooking. Yeah. What, what, what is it with like, talk, you know, when you see his fastball the most, the most recently, it's when he's checking it down to running backs. Like nobody likes right. throwing <laughs> a fastball to their running backs in the flat more than Russell. What are you doing? When has Russ ever been like a check down to the running back type of guy? Never, never, ever. And it's not as if like Javante Williams, who's looked good. And when you get him in the open field, it's, it's probably yeah. like, Sure, it might be a good play, whatever, but like, not like Christian McCaffrey, even like Alvin Kamara, you know, Melvin right. Gordon's not that guy either. Right. They got like Mike Boone in the mix this week. <laughs> what the hell is that about? So, um, yeah, I just, a lot of questions in Denver. Um, I, I agree with you that it absolutely can gel. My whole point with the Broncos is that they're definitely going to start slow. That I felt good about, but mm -hmm. they can get good. They can get better throughout the course of the season. I would feel a little less bullish about the Broncos if anyone in the AFC West was stepping up. But, you know, the Chiefs lost to the Colts. I don't really care that much about that. They'll be fine. Yeah. Chargers are falling apart oh, with injuries. The golly. Raiders are the, the only winless team in the NFL right now. Or the only team that is 0-3 because the, the damn Texans tied the Colts and they haven't won a game. <laughs> but, yeah, so not great. AFC West, this powerhouse division that we thought, yeah. not going so – not off to a great start. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, one of the cool features here on the website, obviously, this year, first ever for Reception Perception. Um, and I know we're hyping this up about the in-season tracking, but this is cool, man. Like, come on now. This is what people should get excited about. I know your fans love it, Matt. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying doing it, too. I feel like I, um, I should have been doing this a long time ago. Um, but, you know. <laughs> but time, life time doesn't always allow but yeah, life. i know exactly uh but got enough time to really be doing a lot of charting this year doing a lot more just you know, it's like i'm watching games back anyways i might as well be putting some data together for the good folks at receptionperception.com so uh i've really been enjoying it i think i'm learning a lot too um 
do you want to talk just um like Traylon Burks as an example yeah. of why I think this matters? Um, Absolutely. We'll talk more about it like on the next podcast. So make sure to subscribe to the show and get the podcast that's later in the week for for more guys like Chris Olave, who um, was a big win for the tracking tool this past week. There you um, go, Traylon Burks. <laughs> this is what's so funny. It's so funny about Traylon Burks because I still feel like people don't get it. People don't get like what do you mean what. People don't get that Traylon Burks is not like people still think of him because of his size and speed or not even speed, but just his size, like that he is, you know, AJ Brown, like he got comparisons to AJ Brown because he was yes. big and, you know, whatever. But um, I think with Traylon Burks, like people don't realize he is going through a basically learning an entire new position. Um, I posted this on Saturday, Traylon hmm. Burks in his prospect profile reception perception sample. 80.5% of his snaps in the slot or the backfield, 84% of his snaps off the line of scrimmage through the first two weeks. And you can find this on the website and the tracking tool right now, Traylon Burks is weeks one through two in reception perception, 21.6% of his snaps in the slot or the backfield, 21.6% of his snaps off the line. That is so it's huge. He's basically learning a new position because in college he played this like fake receiver gadget role. And now the Titans are moving, <laughs> ma- moving him to um, the okay. X receiver position because that's right. the spot that they have vacated. And, you know, last week in week three, um, he played like a ton. He, uh, you know, he actually played like ran a route on 90% of the dropbacks. He got like a playing time promotion. The results weren't <clears> there. And of course the results aren't there, man. He's not ready to be that dude yet. Eventually it's going to come like eventually Traylon Burks will. I mean, maybe, maybe I was going to say, are you, are you confident in that? I, I'm not a no. If I'm being like super honest, I'm not a hundred percent confident in that. I'm not, or I'm not a hundred percent confident in it happening this year, but you know, so far, Okay. They've kept his routes super simple. In the first two weeks, 79.3% of Traylon Burks' routes were a slant, a nine, or a curl. The only thing he does really well at this point is he gets open against zone coverage on slants and crossers. That's it. Oh, that That is it. Which, by the way, you can... I just don't think he should be out there as an X receiver. Like, you could be that guy if you were, like, a big slot, but they don't want to play him in that role. So, um... I'll believe it when I see it with Traylon Burks. That's kind of where I'm at with him as a player right now. I'm not totally encouraged by these scores, right? A 52% success rate versus man coverage, just 41% success rate versus press, um, 80% success rate versus zone. That's that's pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say it's spectacular, but it's pretty good. But to your point, Matt, those numbers read a lot like a slot receiver. Like, yeah, that's what a slot read, receiver would do. They read like Juju Smith-Schuster, mm. which I know that all of the Traylon Burks bros hated that comparison when I made it this offseason. But I really think that's how he would be best utilized. Like, all those plays that people love of him just running, like, galloping in the open field when all the defenders are backed up in zone coverage. Like, yeah, he could do a lot of good stuff there. It's just, if you're going to ask him to train, like I said, tra- a huge, huge transition going from that role he had in college to the role he's playing in the NFL now as a, as a true traditional X receiver, it's going to take time. I just think he, he's like a developmental player right now. And he might have, he, he's going to have moments this year. I, I, I can, I promise he will have moments, right? He's already had some moments. Um, 
you know, through the course of the year, just like, again, making those type of plays. But like, I don't care about his yards per route run or any of that stuff because he's not like he's barely he's barely <laughs> doing much right now. So okay. I'm again, I'm just at a point where Burks is is a developmental player. And when when we see it, then I'll believe that he's made that tr- transition to the X receiver spot because it's just a lot to ask for. It's like, play, like I said, it the amount of press coverage and man coverage you're going to see, it's just totally different. And those weren't his strengths as a college player. I feel like the Titans have priced themselves into making him an X receiver. Um, the And, you know, the Titans have a little bit of that old school, not a little bit, a lot of, of old school tendencies, right? Like they want to establish the run. They want to do play good defense, those kind of things. But when you spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver, you don't spend a first-round pick on a slot receiver. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you, when you draft him with like a top 20 pick or top 25 pick, I think he went 18, right? So like when you spend no, yeah. the pick, no, pick number 18 on Traylon Burks, you can't justify that pick and say he's a slot receiver. You, you can't do, I mean, you, maybe you could if you had a progressive front office. That's not what they have. That's not yeah. what they have in Tennessee. To justify that pick, you got to say, we see this guy, 225 pounds or whatever it is, um, you know, six feet plus, big boy. We see him as like a replacement for A.J. Brown. Yeah. That's the only way you that justify was, that pick. I think that was a bad evaluation. Like, or at least maybe the Titans are just fine with like, trailing learning on the job and like he's going to come around eventually maybe like the last four Ugh. weeks he's really good or something like that because i do think if you gave the titans truth serum they'd admit like we're in a little bit of a transition right like yeah. they're still going to play and compete and all that stuff and mike brable's always going to have like i think mike brable's a good coach i think he's got a great culture there um yeah, great culture but, by the by the way it doesn't always sound like mike brable's so thrilled about trailing burks like you know not practicing <laughs> in the offseason all that stuff <laughs> right um, even in in season stuff like that i i just think they're they're bringing him along along slow because he needs to be brought along slow. But again, it's frustrating when you say say that and you look at the numbers and you and you've kind of evaluated all that stuff and it's like we should be massacring the coaching staff in the front office because it's like listen, when you spend a pick like number 18 on a wide receiver, put him in a position to succeed. That's yeah, not that's, what they're that's doing. That's weird, yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah, you're that, not that, putting him a, in a spot yeah. where he can succeed right out the gates. If they did that, that's again, that's when we're talking about being a progressive uh, front office and coaching staff. I agree that I think they backed themselves into this corner um, probably because they didn't expect to not have AJ Brown this year until they were essentially like they, they kind of priced themselves out of the AJ Brown business. Cause right. remember they traded for Robert Woods and it was like, Oh, that's a really good, like hell yeah. Woods is, and you know, I think Woods is a little dusty at this point, but that's another, yeah. that's well, another the injury too. Yeah. 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 Um, but like he was, he's a really good, like number two flanker receiver that you do the pre-snap motion, stuff like that across from a great X receiver, which would have been great if they still had AJ Brown on this roster. Um, <laughs> now they don't have they don't. that. The other <laughs> oh. guy that kind of emerged from them this off season, although he didn't play last week was that rookie receiver, Kyle Phillips, who's a pure, like he's a pure slot guy. So mm-hmm. I think they, I think I agree with you that they've backed themselves into a corner a little bit that like they have to have Traylon Burks hit as their X receiver. And he's, if he's going to play X, he's, it's just going to take, it's going to take time for him to get there. Okay. So, uh, as I mentioned, 52%, 52.6% success rate versus man. That's not good, obviously, no, not good. but we have seen guys develop according to reception perception. I look at DJ Moore, who we had talked about. He went from 52% 
to 72% last year. That's really good. Probably the poster child, and I think you would agree with this, Matt, is Devontae Adams, no? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I've said with Adams, like, don't bring that example up to me. No, nobody's ever going to do that ever again. Nobody, <laughs> okay, ever, has, <laughs> nobody ever has done it again. Because, because Adams went from, like, the first percentile to the 99th percentile. Yeah. But I agree. DJ Moore is a really good example. DJ Moore was super raw as a route runner coming in, too. So Scott Turner and the boys, there are dozens of us, once again, there you go. Scott Turner ref on the pod. There it is. Um, <laughs> they did like a lot of creative stuff with DJ Moore that I, I wish this current Panthers coaching staff would do. There you go. They did a lot of creative stuff with DJ Moore to get him in space, yak opportunities, stuff like that in his rookie year and his second year until he developed as a route runner. And then it's not happening this year, but the last couple of years he's been really, really good. So um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good example. When you talk about Traylon Burks is maybe he can eventually become that guy. And even, but even DJ Moore, like I, I think DJ Moore is a good player. I don't think he's like a, no doubt number one receiver like a you know that type of player so but that's a good example for Burks to bring up that's really what it comes down to man like if Sean McVay has taught us anything it's like you got to get these boys moving man <laughs> like yeah. don't let these corners lock you up man like don't let them have press coverage period like if you've got a guy that can make plays get that guy in motion um, that's what I would love to see. And a big boy like Traylon Burks, dude, you're getting 220 pounds moving before the snap. <laughs> Forget it. Like, yes, sign me up for that. That'd be dope. Uh, but that's obviously not what they're going to do, uh, in Tennessee. Uh, but who knows? Uh, maybe, maybe they make some changes. Maybe, maybe that'll happen. I don't know. We'll see. Um, should be a tough season for Tennessee, but Hey, Hey, listen, they got the job done here. Uh, week number three, beat the Raiders. It's Everybody all, beats Raiders, apparently. I, apparently, apparently. This whole pod, I've been like, you know, snapping on teams that all, all they're they're just winning games. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I'm just yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's the, a Titan, the Titans it's a got bo- they got blown out the week prior, so right. um, yeah, yeah there, there there'll be some moments for the Titans this year, that's for sure. All right, so there you go. All right, hey, listen, we step away here, man. Uh, hope everyone had a great week three. We're gonna catch you here in a couple of days. Uh, get you prepped. For week number four, for Matt Harmon, I am James Coe. See ya.